take Matthew 25, please. I want to spend a couple of weeks looking at this. Uh, it's a well-known parable. Uh, people who do not necessarily support the Bible as being the word of God will refer to this as the most uh, practical, the most practical of Jesus' parables. Of all the stories that he told, there's so much practical application in this. We refer to it as the parable of the talents. For the next few weeks, I want to look at this parable and look at some, some uh, things that we can draw out of that that will hopefully help us in our day-to-day life. How many of you know when Jesus taught, he didn't teach in such a way that it was just all spiritual pie-in-the-sky stuff, that, 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 that people just walked away and went, wow, that was really refuel, that was wow. Dude, that was all, you know. He was quite practical. He used practical illustrations. He taught people in a way that what they were hearing would help them down here on earth. God put us on earth. Are we all agree on that? A couple of us do. Okay, anybody think God put you somewhere else? Some of us might agree. Please raise your hand. God's put us here on earth for a reason. We live here for a reason. Therefore, God wants us to live down here a certain way. Um, the gospel can get presented in such a way that it really comes across at times as a fire insurance policy. It really annoys me. I understand it. Here's the, here's the, here's the, uh, the balancing act. We are saved by grace. You'll agree on that. There's nothing you can do to get yourself right with God. Jesus came along and he didn't lower the bar and make it easier for mankind to come to the presence of the Father. Jesus came and he said, you guys think the rules are hard as it is? And he raised the bar. You think you murder someone if you hate them. You think you commit adultery? Lust. He raised the bar on every single level to ram home to us that there's nothing we could do to get right with God. It was impossible for us to do it ourselves in our own strength, no matter how smart we are, how wealthy we are, how good-looking we are, how great our voice is, what background we come from, totally beyond your ability to get right with God. And that's the gospel story of Jesus, God coming down to earth, taking upon himself all that stuff that separated us so that we can come to God and stand in his presence, not because of who we are, but because he sees Jesus Christ upon us. Okay? We are saved by grace, but... Once we're saved, how many of you know we're not just saved uh, out of something from hell, from the, we're, we're called to something as well. We're called to a lifestyle. We're called to live a certain way down here on planet Earth. And so people who go, oh, I'm saved by grace, and, and they want to continue to live the rest of their life doing all the stuff that they just want to do, going out and doing this and parties and whatever, and I'm not... I'm not I'm not against all that stuff, but what I'm saying is, is if you have that attitude that now I've got my fire insurance policy, I can do whatever I want, you're missing out on a really, really key element of the gospel story. You're missing out on becoming a part of the solution. You're missing out on engaging in this thing called building the kingdom of God. You're missing out on being a co-worker, as Paul wrote, a co-worker with Christ. God is doing things still down here on planet Earth, and we get the opportunity to co-work with him. And so we're saved by grace, but there's still an expectation. You cannot read the New Testament and not see where it says to us, live a holy life. Choose godliness. Lay aside sin. Lay aside the things that easily ensnare you. Choose to walk this way. Choose not to walk that way. It's in the Gospels. It's in the, the letters that were written in the New Testament. And it's a call to us to, to recognise we are saved by grace. We're going to heaven. But you know what? We're also called to live a little bit different down here too. 
We're also called to live a little bit different down here too. We're called to uphold a certain standard in society. You know, what's, what's um, interesting, I was at a minister's fraternal meeting this week. I haven't been to one yet. It's my first one. So we went out the back of the hills there and we all got together and, and uh, talked about a few things. And one of the topics was, was uh, uh, what's going to be our response to this whole issue of same-sex marriage. And all the ministers were thrashing out their opinions and it was interesting, really interesting to hear different people's opinions and, you know, what should... The, the... And while I'm sitting there and I'm listening to everything, I, I, I didn't say much all day. I only said one thing all day while I was at the meeting and, and I've said it here before. I said, isn't it sad though that in our, in our approach and our response to those things, we need to make sure that we're not just communicating and reinforcing to the world what we're always against. What we're always against. You know, we're against this, we're against that. It's a shame that we're so well known for what we're against. And and people think you're against homosexuals and you're against this and you're against that and you're against... You know, we might be against a lot of things, but we're not so much against them because we're against them. We're really, if anything, I'm saddened by the fact that people that engage in certain activities are missing out on an element of life. I'm, I'm sad that when I used to work in Dan Murphy's, people would come on in early in the morning and, and, and buy a bottle of vodka at 9 o'clock and I would know they'd go out the back of the shop and smash it in 15 minutes. I'm sad for that person because I think there's a pain, there's a brokenness, there's something in your world and this is just like a bandit. You're just masking it. I don't want to sell you that. I want to sit you down and go, let's talk about this because there's a way forward. There's an answer for you. God puts you on this earth. He wants to give you life. He wants to give you not just normal life but this thing he calls abundant life. The opportunity to live life to its fullest. Now, the parable of the talents is interesting because it's smack bang in the middle of a whole discourse. Uh, it begins in uh, chapter 24. I'll just read this out. It says, Jesus went out and departed from the temple. His disciples came to him to show the buildings in the temple. And Jesus makes this statement. He says, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say, Do you not one stone shall be here left upon another that shall not be thrown down? Talking about the temple. He's really talking about himself. He's talking about himself, that this, this, this temple here is going to be destroyed. But it's okay, because I'm going to raise something up beautiful and wonderful out of it. In verse 3 of chapter 24, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, and they said this. They said, Tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? This is the starting point of everything Jesus has to say in chapter uh, 24 and 25. This is the question. In response to this, Jesus begins two chapters. Of discourse. And if you have a look at it, Jesus, as he so often does, didn't answer the question. Jesus has this really good way of going, I hear the question you're asking, but I'm going to answer you in such a way that I'll correct your question. And we'll change the question a little bit. He goes on and he says later on there in uh, verse 36, which I guess is kind of in answer to the question, he goes on and he says this, he says, of that day and hour no one knows. Not even the angels know, but only, only my father. In other words, you want, to know, you want to know the signs and the times. You want to know uh, when I'm going to come. You want to know what can we see that's going to tell us he's almost there. He's almost there. How many of you know that part of human nature is when we know something's almost there, we change the way we behave? Anyone ever notice that? Anyone ever busted their kids doing something because you got home an hour early? Anyone ever do that? I remember when we first moved to Ballina, young Jordan here, this fantastic Cahun player, uh, we moved into some friends' place of ours in Ballina uh, back in 2000, something like that. We had nowhere to live, so they had a big room with a pool table. So we put six, uh, it was five of us at the time, mattresses around this pool table and we were sleeping in this room. Me and Jackie put the kids to bed. We went out in the lounge room 
And we're having a chat with the couple and then something came up and I had to go back into the room to get something. So I just remember walking through the kitchen, turned right, walked down the little hallway, grabbed the door handle, opened it up. And as I opened it up, I heard this... And everything just froze. And I knew something's not right in this room. That, that kind of movement, that's not a mouse. It's, there's something with bigger body attached to its feet than that. And I flicked on the light and here's Jordan. It was like in a movie. He's just like this. <laughs> Frozen. Gotcha. Gotcha. You weren't expecting me to come back into the room and so you went on carrying on and doing a certain thing, living a certain way. Uh, it's not the only time we've caught them. We've probably all got stories like that where either we've been caught out or somebody else has been caught out by you because they expected you to come later on. And so if we know when you're coming home, we can adjust our behaviour, we can quickly... Yeah, anyone seen that ad on TV, the man with the dude, he's, he's laying on the lounge and his girlfriend departs, he goes, don't forget to get the home loan, you know? And he builds a, a tower out of cards and he sculpts his own face with butter. Seen that ad? He sculpts his own head with butter. Has anyone... Have you ever actually looked at that? That's just bizarre. Bizarre. Who, what advertising person thought of that? that he, but anyway, he sculpted his own head with butter. He did a whole heap of things. And then all of a sudden, he hears the keys in the door. He runs, he jumps in the lounge, of course, picks up his smartphone, and bang, there's home loans all. You know, home loans made easy. And, 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 and she thinks he's been there. She obviously thinks he's been there all day. Gives him a nice, loving little pat on the shoulder. Well done, honey. You've done a great job today. And he's thinking, yeah, building card things and sculpting butter. And uh, anyway, he gets a pat on the back. So we behave a bit differently. And so this is what, what I think the disciples were saying was, well, well give, us, give us an indication. What can we be looking at for when this is about to take place? I don't necessarily think, let's keep in mind too, but at this stage the disciples aren't completely sold on who Christ is. When he gets taken away, they scatter, they run. Still not 100% sold on the whole deal. And so Jesus goes on and he says that no one's going to know that time. So let's, let's, let's get rid of that. Let's, let, I know the question you're asking. You're asking me when. Uh, what time of day? But what I want to say to you is, Jesus' answer in the next couple of chapters, he changes the question to, you don't, it's not about when am I going to come back. It's not about when should you start getting ready. What it's about is, I am going to come back, so how should you be living your life here on planet Earth between this first time that I came and the second time that I come? What should you be doing with the time that's been given to you. How should you be living your life? And if you read 24 all the way through 25, you'll see he uses different stories and different parables to talk about being watchful, being alert, being aware, going about your business, doing the best that you can with what you've got and so on. And smack bang in the middle there, he's got this parable of the talents. And that's what I want to have a quick look at today, the parable of the talents. I'll just read it out in Matthew 25. It's quite long and we all know it. I'm reading from New King James this week because I've, I've, I've forgot my glasses and my new living is smaller than my New King James. Parable of the Talents. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man travelling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. Let me just stop there for one second. Most of the time when we hear this parable taught, we are told that the talents represent your abilities. Your abilities, what you can do. It doesn't make a lot of sense if you interpret it that way. It means that he gave you abilities according to your abilities. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't think that he's talking about your natural talents. We can apply that and we can use it that way, but that's not what Jesus is talking about here when he talks about talents because he gave it to them already according to their abilities. So he didn't go, You've, I'm going to give you abilities according to your abilities because they had abilities. So it can't be that. It doesn't make sense. 
And verse 16, Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, made another five. Likewise, he had received two, gained two more. He would receive one, went and dug his money in the ground and, and, uh, and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with him. So he had five, brought another five and said, Lord, you gave me five, I've gained five more. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Faithful. 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 You know, every time you read the word faithful in the New Testament, you can translate it as fruitful if you want. Faithfulness is always linked with fruitfulness. It's always linked with fruitfulness. Being fruitful. Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. You are fruitful with a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful or fruitful servant. You have been faithful or fruitful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to the one who has, has ten. Everyone who has more will be given. And verse 30, cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We've got two servants who the master deemed as fruitful. Or if we want to use that, the terminology from verse 30, it was a contrast of those who were profitable and those who were unprofitable. Those who were fruitful and those who were unfruitful. This parable is about primarily living a fruitful life in between the first time Christ came and the second. We're called to live fruitful lives here on earth. We're called to be uh, producers. We're called to be contributors, not just consumers. We're called to contribute to the world, not just sit back like leeches and be taking, taking, taking. We're called to add something of value to the lives of the people that come into our world. We're called to be fruitful. We're called to be profitable. We're not called to be, as the servants called here, lazy and unprofitable. But we're called to be profitable. We're called to be fruitful. Now, if we're called to be fruitful, what did the master give them that enabled them to be either fruitful or unfruitful? What did he give to them? He gave them talents. And when I read this this parable... The talents to me represent two things, two things that every one of us get. Number one, the talents represented an opportunity. They were given an opportunity to do something. The second thing the talents represent is responsibility. They were given responsibility. And in the time between when Jesus first came and when Jesus returns, these are two things that God has given to every one of us, that if we handle them right... We can be fruitful in that time between when he comes back. We're called to be fruitful. And the two things that he gives us to help us be fruitful are he gives us opportunity and he gives us responsibility. And the next few weeks, I want to stay on these, this topic of fruitfulness. And I want to have a look at these two things, this opportunity and responsibility. Today, I just want to have a little bit of a look at opportunity. God gives us opportunity. First thing that I draw out of that parable, number one, everybody gets opportunity. 
Everybody gets opportunity. Every single one of us get the opportunity to build a fruitful life down here on earth. Some of us feel like we got one talent. Some of us feel like our opportunity is like the one talent man. We don't have a lot of opportunity. Maybe we feel because of our financial uh, background or our position. Maybe because of our physical prowess. Maybe because of our intellectual capacity and, and, and so on. Maybe because of the way we were brought up. Maybe because of our, our socioeconomic situation. Maybe, maybe uh, because of our, our relational uh, situation around us and the people we know and we don't know and if I just knew the right people. Maybe some of us feel like we're that one talent person. But guess what? You still get opportunity given to you. God has still given you opportunity in life to be fruitful. Maybe, you, maybe you're sitting here and you feel like the five talent person. You feel like, man, you know, I was brought up in a, in a great home and I have made great connections and I'm like... Study is easy for me and I was an A student and I'm really good socially with people and, and maybe some of you feel like that, that, that everything's sort of lined up for you and, and life's a bit easier for you. And praise God for those people. But at the same time, you have still have been given an opportunity in life to produce fruit. You've been given an opportunity to be fruitful. You've been given an opportunity to do something positive. Now, some of us think our opportunities are really, really big. When we think of opportunity, we think of something that comes to your world that one moment can change your life forever. That's what we think. When we think of the word opportunity, we think of uh, if somebody walked in the room today and walked up to me and said, um, I, I, I'm part of an organisation and the 147 millionth person I walked past in my life, I was to give you this envelope and you had none, there's a billion dollars. That's a big opportunity. Wow, it could change your life. Change your life forever. But opportunities come in all kinds of sizes. And I think the truth of the matter is, you are going to get more tiny, minuscule opportunities in your life to build a fruitful life than you are the big ones. And we've got to learn to recognise the fact every one of us get opportunity presented to us. Here's the Oxford Dictionary definition of the word opportunity. It's a time or set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. That's the Oxford Dictionary definition of opportunity. A time or set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. That sounds like a choice, doesn't it? It sounds like a decision. If I look at it that way, every opportunity I get, every time I get to make a decision or a choice, that for me represents an opportunity. An opportunity to do something with my life, to lead myself a step closer towards fruitfulness or to lead me a step closer towards being unfruitful, unprofitable, wicked and lazy. You see, every single one of those servants was given an opportunity by their master. You know, researchers say that adults, this is current research, as an adult, you'll make between 5,000 and 35,000 choices a day. Anyone, anyone, anyone ever... No wonder we're stressed out. That's a lot of things to think about. Between five and 35,000 choices a day, you are going to make. And if you think that's exorbitant, here's what statistics say. 226.7 of those choices and decisions will revolve today around food. You are going to make 226.7 decisions today revolving around food. When you think about that, 
then five to 35,000 decisions, choices I'm going to make today. I, I, yeah, that, that, that sounds quite plausible. Every one of those choices and those decisions that I have to make today are opportunities to build into or to take from. To build into or to take from. To build into or to take away from. To be fruitful or to be unprofitable. Every one of those choices and those decisions that I get give me the opportunity to be fruitful or not. Every choice is an opportunity, then that is a lot of opportunity that we get every single day to shape our life. Problem is, we don't view it like that. Well, like I said, we look at the big moments, the big things, instead of realising that what a big choice, a decision, an opportunity of a lifetime, a big thing can take you over here in an instant. But you know what? A whole series of small choices, small opportunities taken to be fruitful can get you to the same destination, just might take a bit longer. But they can lead us to the same fruitful life. We've got to see our choices and our decisions as opportunities to build into or to take away from our life. Now, here's the thing. If you are disagreeing with me right now, if you're sitting there going, yeah, well, that's for everybody else, but I don't have, you know, my situation is what it is and it can't be changed and nothing I do, nothing I say, no choice I can make, then you are what we commonly refer to as a victim. The journey of the, power, of the talents was a guy got given two, he did something with it, he got a small opportunity, did something with that opportunity, and the end result was that the master said, you know what, you, I, I gave you an opportunity with this, now I'm going to make you a ruler over lots of things. Seeing the opportunities in your day, no matter how small or how insignificant you may think they are, seeing those choices, those decisions as opportunities and taking them in the right direction is part of your journey out of being a victim. Someone that feels powerless, that I can't change this situation or that circumstance or this whatever. You know what? Some of us are facing some massive, massive things. Some of us have got some really big stuff going on in our life. But I'm telling you, somewhere in the midst of that, God will give you an opportunity. God will give you a choice to make, a decision. Whether that decision, it might not change the situation, but it can change the way you look at the situation. It can change the way you approach the situation. But every decision, every choice that you make is an opportunity to build fruitfulness into your world or to become unprofitable and go further and further backwards and further and further deeper into areas of your world that you know aren't right and that you want to walk away from. You don't think I'm telling you the truth? The guy that got the one talent, he got one opportunity. The other guy got two. Another guy got five. He got one. The only victim in this particular story was him And you know why he's a victim? Because he took the opportunity to be one. He took the opportunity to be a victim. He could have done something with that. He could have taken that opportunity and gone in this direction, but he said, no, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bury it in the ground because I can't do anything. Because if I do and I lose it, you're a hard man. I'm going to be in trouble over here. I'm going to be in trouble over there. I can't do this. I can't change it. So I'm just going to take the opportunity to do nothing. I'm going to take the opportunity to be unfruitful. We all get opportunities in our life. The Master gives all of us opportunities. If you feel like a victim in life, possibly, possibly, your biggest problem is that you're overemphasizing the big opportunities and you're underemphasizing the small ones. You're underemphasizing the small opportunities that come your way every day. The tiny opportunities. 
The opportunity to look at something from a different perspective. The opportunity to say to somebody, or the opportunity to choose not to take it personally when somebody might let loose. The opportunity to say the words to somebody, I forgive you, when you really don't want to. It's easier to take the other opportunity and maybe harbour bitterness. Or, and all you're really doing is rendering yourself unfruitful. All you're doing is rendering that relationship unfruitful. All you're doing is taking yourself backward instead of taking yourself forward. Song of Solomon, verse, chapter 2, verse 15, it says this. It's a beautiful book. Lots of great analogies and pictures in that book, if you've got some spare time. Song of Solomon 2.15 says this, Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. The little foxes that spoil the vines. It's the little things. It's the little opportunities in life that we don't take that end up having the biggest consequences in our life. I've got a, I've got a friend of mine years and years ago and he came through Ballina and, and he stayed with us for a little bit. And he had the opportunity to buy a patch of land over West Balmer, you know, where the prawn is and all that now. He had an opportunity back when it was all farmland. He had an opportunity to buy uh, a a massive patch of land over there. A guy offered it to him for $7,000. And he drove through town and he came and stayed at our place and he said, I cannot believe what's going on over there now. And he said, you're not going to believe this. I had the opportunity X amount of years ago to buy a patch of land there because the guy that owned a farm over there said it's never going to be any good. It's swamp. It won't be any good for nothing. No one will ever be able to do anything with this. Seven grand and I'll sell you this massive big patch of land. And he said, you're kidding. No way. That's a big opportunity missed. Could have turned that into a lot of dollars. Could have turned that into a lot of profit. But how many, t- how many of you know the consequences of that one big decision might be I don't have money that I never had anyway. But waking up in the morning and saying to my wife, good morning, I love you. Doing that for 20 years. Tiny little opportunity. It's not too much. Telling your kids when they go to bed at night, love you. <laughs> when, you when you're young kids, all you young guys here now, you've got your jobs and you're starting work right now. Taking, taking a, a small percentage of whatever you earn right now at 14, 15, 16, whatever, and putting it aside into a bank account. Just a little bit here and a little bit there. You know what? In 10 years' time, well, by the time you're 25, you could have enough money to, to deposit on a house. All small, little decisions that you make now, little choices that you make right now, little opportunities that have been given to you that you make the most of right now. Or the other opportunity is spend it on lollies and... And then in 10 years' time, you, you won't have a deposit for a house, but you could be another 10 kilo bigger. Trust me. Little opportunities. It's the little opportunities. It's the small daily opportunities laid out before us that truly destroy the potential of your life and your destiny. But at the same time, it's the little opportunities laid out before you that can push you towards what God has for you and help you in 10 years' time be in that place by thinking about every opportunity that comes our way, the decisions, the choices we make, recognise them as opportunities. If we see, so when we think of opportunity, we think of something that has life down the track. Think of a decision. Most of us just think a decision or choice. We think it ends here. Nothing ends here. Every decision that I make, every choice that I make is an opportunity to go this way or to go that way. What will I eat today? You know, that's an opportunity. What food am I going to put into my mouth today? Is an opportunity. Can be the difference long term between life and death. You can start pumping sugary drinks, and I was, uh, someone was telling me about a documentary the other day. This little town, and they started drinking Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew is just a soft drink. But these kids are brought up on Mountain Dew. Sorry, Daniel, I'm going to destroy it. 
Little kids are brought up on Mountain Dew and they're drinking Mountain Dew like it's milk. And within 10, 15 years or whatever it is, everybody in that, that, that town, in, in, I think it was in the States, their teeth are all falling out because they're drinking Mountain Dew like it's mother's milk. But you know what? It all started one day when they picked up a bottle of Mountain Dew and then they had an opportunity the next day to drink something else and they chose, oh, I'll drink Mountain Dew. Had an opportunity the next day to drink something else, oh, I'll drink Mountain Dew. Small opportunities down the track. They're the ones that have the greatest potential of building life or building death into our life. What you eat, you know what? Down the track, it's going to impact your skin. It's going to impact your health. It's going to impact your weight, literally. It's going to have an impact on you. Every opportunity when you go to the fridge or you go to the shop and you pick up that bacon and cheese zinger or that lettuce leaf or whatever it is that you eat, realise that there are opportunities to build into your life or not. What are you going to wear? Yeah, it's an opportunity for some of you. Pat, you and me. Smart dresses like yourself. Could be the difference between you being mocked when you walk downtown or maybe you meeting the next Mr. or Mrs. as you go up there and get your caramel latte and the car. How you doing? You're dressed like me, they probably won't even look at you. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do with your time? Who are you going to hang out with? Who are you going to build relationship with? There's an opportunity. What sort of people are you going to allow to talk, speak into your life? There's an opportunity. What sort of voices are you going to block out? There's an opportunity. And all these opportunities will have an impact down the world, down, down throughout your life, down time. What career path are you going to take? It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. What career path are you going to take? What university are you going to go to? Who are you going to listen to? What TV shows are you going to watch? What sort of stuff are you going to allow to go on the inside of you? What church are you going to go to? How regularly are you going to attend? Are you going to give? Are you going to pray? Are you going to read your Bible? Or are you going to do something else with your time? All of these opportunities that are given to us every day build fruitfulness into our life or they detract from it. We're profitable. Every moment of every day we're being profitable or we're being unprofitable. Am I talking about being paranoid? No. I'm not talking about being paranoid and overthinking everything. The problem is most of us underthink everything. We just go through life and then one day we go to a doctor and we realise we've got this thing. We go, oh, well, I just thought, no, one more hamburger won't hurt. No, one more hamburger won't hurt. No, one more hamburger won't hurt. Or we stay back after work and we talk to that woman or we talk to that man and we go, oh, it's okay, it's just one conversation. It's just one conversation. Then a year later, you're having to have a conversation with your spouse or your partner. Sorry. All these little opportunities, they're the ones that make or break a life. It's not the big ones, it's the little opportunities that come into our world. Every decision or choice we make is an opportunity to change where I am, to change who I am to change what I have, to change what I do, or to reinforce the very things about myself that I don't like by continuing to go down paths that got me at that place in the first place. What opportunities are you going to take this week? What opportunities are you going to lay a hold of this week? The opportunity to change the things about your life that you don't like. You might not be happy with your social world. You may not be happy with your weight. You may not be happy with your, your body, things that are going on. You may not be happy because you're unfit. Your fitness level might not be where it is. You might not be happy with your financial world. What are you going to do about it? What opportunity are you going to take this week to change it? Stop sitting back waiting for the big opportunity that goes bang in the sky and changes life in an instant and realise that it's the little opportunities that you take that are building into or detracting from your life. What are you going to do this week? What opportunity are you going to take? And don't sit there and say, I don't have an opportunity. You do have opportunity. You've just got to learn to recognise it. You've just got to learn to see with the eyes of God and see the opportunity. There are parts of your world that are still being written. 
There are parts of your life, your future, your destiny that can be so different because of a, de- a decision, a choice, or an opportunity that you take right now. The future is not set in concrete. The future is not set in stone. You are making the future with every opportunity that you take. You are creating a world in which you are living in with every opportunity and every choice that you make. This is the power that you have. This is the power that God, the Master, has given to you. He's given it to you. There's this fatalistic mentality that I come across a lot with Christians that, well, God's just wound everything up. He's wound up my life and he's already predetermined. I'm going to, you know... I'm going to go through life and by the age of 25, I'm going to be uh, you know, socially inept and not be able to talk to people and end up living by myself. And by the age of 35, I'm going to have you know, knee problems because I haven't bothered thinking about what I'm eating and, or looking after myself. I don't drink water and hydrate myself. And then my hair's going to fall out by the time I'm 40 because I just don't shampoo it or anything like that. And, you know, I'm going to have... and we just think that it's, we're like wind-up dolls and it just goes on. Yet the master has given you the opportunity. He's given you the opportunity to have a fruitful life. He didn't wind it up and walk away. He's given it to you and said, here's here's a life. Here's an opportunity to do something fruitful with the time that you have here on planet Earth. What are you going to do with that time? What are you going to do with that? So I ask you again the opportunity this week. What are you going to do this week to change the things about yourself that you don't like? What are you going to do to change those areas of your world today that you're not happy about? You're not happy with your financial place. What are you going to do about it? You can whinge, take the opportunity to complain, take the opportunity to look around you and go, well, the master's hard and I've got... And and you can take it and you can bury it in the ground and do nothing with it. So when the master came back, he didn't say, oh, well, you did nothing with it. He said, you did something with it. You became unprofitable with it. You became unfruitful with it. That's what you did. That was your choice. We can pray till the cows come home and I'm all for prayer. I'm a big believer in prayer. But I can either pray, God, give me a million dollars to buy myself a house or I can go, God, give me the ability to take the opportunity and be disciplined enough to put 50 bucks a week aside into a bank account and not touch it and know that in X amount of years I'm going to have that there. I can pray God, fix all these physical problems, or I can sit down and go, Rightio, why don't I take the opportunity to have a look at my diet? What am I eating? What am I... I can sit there and go, I've got no friends. Or I can go, well, hang on, God, I've got lots of people around me. Why don't I take the opportunity to go and say hello to somebody? To invite somebody out for coffee? To do something to build a bit of fruitfulness and a bit of positivity into our world? The first thing we see out of that parable of the talents, I'm going to finish with that, is that everybody gets opportunity. I want you to know that. I don't want anybody here to be sitting here feeling like a victim. I, here's the thing. The guy that got the one talent, the Bible says he went and he dug a hole in the ground and he put it in the ground, right? He buried it. You know that was very common in the day? That's what everybody did. That's what a lot of people did with wealth. They didn't have safes. A lot of people would take valuable things of theirs, they would dig a hole, they would put it in the ground and they would cover it over. And they would know, you know, it's, it's neither, you ever seen that Shawshank Redemption? He buries the box under the tree and tells them, and, and they knew where it was. They would bury it and, they would, and then they would, they would know, that's my secret stash and I'll come back whenever is appropriate or needed. I can come back to that, I can dig it up, I can take it. 
A lot of people did that. What this guy did, technically in the context of the culture, was he just simply did what everybody else did. But isn't that interesting? You can do what everybody else does and choose to be unprofitable because we're not called to do what everybody else does. Everybody else might have been okay to bury their wealth in the ground, but the master said, man, when I gave this to you, I had an expectation that you'd do something more with it. I had an expectation that I know it was tough and I know that the guy next to you had two and another guy had five and I know that it would have been easy for you to, you know, I know the opportunity was there for you because you were there when I handed these out. The opportunity was there for you to go, well, that's not fair. You had that opportunity. You could do that. You had the opportunity to say, I'm, I was bound and trapped and I couldn't. You had that opportunity. Because that's what everybody does. But I'm hoping that you'll take the opportunity to do something different because I've called you to a different way of life. I've called you to see things differently. I've called you to do things differently. I've called you to live your life between my first coming and my second coming with this idea. Hey, every day when I wake up, Lord, I'm going to be fruitful today. I'm going to make choices today. I'm going to make decisions today. I'm going to look at my world. I'm going to stop. I'm going to block it all out and go, right, I'm so sick of whinging and complaining about this stuff. I'm so sick of feeling like I'm not profitable. I'm so sick of feeling like there's all these reasons, as valid as what they might be, and I'm going to say, God, I know that all these things are real, but I also know, Master, you are going to give me an opportunity today to get out of these things. Because if you're calling me to be fruitful, then you'll give me what I need to be fruitful. And if you don't think that he's given you what you need to be fruitful, then the problem is your perception of the master. God wanted them to succeed. There was an expectation of fruitfulness. That's why when he came back, he said, well done. You got five, you did something. Well done. That's exactly what I wanted to happen and you've done it. Good stuff. Two, that's exactly what I wanted. Well done. You got one, you buried it. You unfruitful, unprofitable person. We're called to be fruitful and profitable. Everybody, everybody gets opportunity from the master. Amen. Father, I just, I just pray this week, Lord, I, I pray... God, give us eyes to see the things that, that, that we struggle to see, God, because the world tells us to live a certain way. God, our emotions tell us to act a certain way. Our intellect even sometimes gets in there and tells us how to rationalise things. And, and uh, Lord, it's easy to just go along with all those things. It's so much harder to step out in faith. It's so much harder to go, well, hang on a second. If God is as great as we sing about if God is as active in my world as we say he is, if he has saved me for a reason and a purpose, then maybe I've got to change the way I look at this whole thing. It takes great faith, Father, to see the opportunities that are laid out before us. But God, I pray you would open up the eyes of our heart, open up the eyes of our spirit, and in every situation, let us see the opportunity to be fruitful, God, instead of being drawn to the negative, instead of seeing the opportunity to go backwards, instead of seeing why we, we can justify unfruitfulness in our life, let us draw a line in the sand today and say, God, no more of that, Father. We're called to live life different on planet Earth. We're called to be fruitful. We're called to go forward. We're called to be positive, God. We're called to be contributors to this world and not constantly consuming all the great things that you put down here 
for us, Father. So I pray this week, God, let us have a good look at our life. Let us have a good look at those areas of our world that we're not happy with. And God, give us the eyes to see where is the opportunity in the midst of that to see change happen. And Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to continue this on for a couple of weeks because I've got a, a few more points there and I was hoping to get through more than, 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 than just that one today. But uh, hopefully we'll see you all next week. Have a great week. Have a safe trip home. Have a great lunch. Lettuce leaves and carrots and mayonnaise that's fat-free and salt-free and all that sort of stuff. And uh, we'll see you all next week. And uh, if you're a part of a Connect group and they're meeting this week, have a great time. We'll see you in our Connect group. Those of you that meet with us as well. Pleasure.